Welcome back to another episode of Lies My Mother Told. But she didn't know, though. I am your host, Tasha of Confessions of a Christian Girl. And this is my lovely, extraordinary mom entrepreneur. I don't know how to say that. Mompreneur. Mompreneur. <laughs> Sade Graham Campbell. And we're also not going to forget mm-hmm. our third host. Teddy said, what up? Sade, <laughs> <laughs> let the people know how you doing and how you feeling. For those of you who are wondering why I'm wearing a robe and shades. And I have tea is because today we're gonna to be talking about poverty, and I don't want it to. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a rich white woman, so I don't want it to you know rub off on me. Okay, I'm be rich. I don't know about y'all. I was, hey, let me know how you doing. How your week been going, girl? Hey, I was about to ask you about those glasses. I mean, I know you said you were cold and everything, but the shades really. Um, but I I, I feel you, girl. You are a rich white woman today. Let's claim it. We let's gonna claim. We're gonna claim wealth. And prosperity in the name Amen. of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Because it's that easy. <laughs> it's that easy. We have That's authority. Right. So it's that easy. But now, nah, um, this week has been, I mean, it's been great. I can't complain. I won't complain in the name of Jesus. I won't complain. Um, um, yeah, normal week. Mommy mode. Wife mode. Every day, all day. You know, when I get a time or a moment for myself, that's a rarity. Uh, but I'm grateful for those moments when they do come. How about you? How was your week thus far, sis? It's just another day of being a Hebrew slave. Just kidding. <laughs> um, as, you know, y'all, life be life in. That, that's all I got to say. Life be life in. All right, y'all. So you know what time it is. We got a game for you. We got a game for you. We got a game for you. So it's Christian culture. Very easy to find. I got this off of Amazon. TikTok made me do it. And it's just honestly a great conversational um, starter. Conversational. That is so black. It's a great conversation starter. And we've been playing this for um, the last couple episodes. And I just love the questions that they have because it really just kind of gives you an idea of just who we are as people um, and just a little bit uh, dig into our brain. So I'm going to start off with just a few questions and I'm going to throw it at Sade and she's going to answer and I'm going to answer you and then we're going to go from there and I'm choosing them at random. There's no order. Shuffle it up, shuffle it up. Y'all, one of my dream jobs is to be a game show host. I'm not sure if y'all knew that, but now you know. All right. We know that actually kind of makes sense. You definitely have the... Uh... The voice for it. That's like one of my dream jobs. I just want to play games and stuff and give people prizes. You get a car, you get a car, you get a computer. Like that'd be great. All right. Which Bible character would have the most Instagram followers and why? Duh. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Why? He's the most prolific, infamous, you name it, person being in the whole world whether you believe in him or not mm-hmm. my thoughts i'm gonna give y'all a non-holy answer it's gonna be ruth it's gonna be one of these thotty thought thoughts from the old testament it's gonna be mary before she got converted it's gonna be one of these it's gonna be delilah let's just be real we live in a world where and it's not everybody's moral code of conduct but i mean look at social media right now people who 
have no education or who are undereducated, but just because of how they look, because of aesthetic, they have like a ridiculous amount of followers. A really great example, no offense, are who really set the trend on that are Kardashians, right? Like they're famous for being infamous. We never really quite knew what they did. Um, but again, they were in the beginning of a wave of like that Instagram model type of lifestyle of, you know, using social media to build business because it's an illusion. So I hate to say it, they might, they might, they may have scored a little higher than Jesus. I would hope not, but I can imagine that they would. All right, next question. Ooh, can you have faith and fear at the same time? Faith and fear at the same time. It's hard. Ooh, uh, I, well, this is different. I don't know, even know how to respond to this question because I feel like as someone who is, who has experience with both, (laughs) um, I can't recall whether or not, no, you know what? No, I don't think so. I think it's impossible. And I'll say that because faith cancels out fear. Fear cancels out faith. Mm -hmm. If you entertain faith, there's no way for you to truly entertain faith and fear at the same time and vice versa mm-hmm. because they're they're polar opposites mm-hmm. and i'm sticking to it that's my okay. response and i'm sticking to it okay um my answer is gonna be yes um i am a i am a spirit i have a soul and i live in a body um and i recognize that faith is something that it has to take control over everything i think it's something that enters your spirit enters your soul enters your mind like y- your faith is faith is 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 the essence almost of your being and in your walk with Christ, right? And I recognize that for some people, you can have emotions of fear, but then the spirit of fear is something different. And so I feel as though the way I'm looking at it, I just, in my mind, I have like a diagram and I might insert it in, in this little situation, like a little blurb bloop, of how uh, we God has designed us. And so I can have faith in my heart, right? I can, I can have faith in my mind, but I'm gonna just tell you right now, if I see a, a, a six foot foot, paying the bear at my front door. I'm going, I'm a, I'm gonna be fearful, but my faith hasn't necessarily evaporated. And so I, I kind of look at it from that point of view, um, because I feel like fear can go, fear can go somewhere, but faith, um, and it's, especially when you're trying to describe what type of faith as well. So like faith in God or just having faith in something will work out. You know, it could, I have found myself in a situations where I have faith and I was fearful at the same time. I have literally felt both emotions in one. So I'm going to have to say, uh, both. Um, I like this question. <laughs> Instead of rejoicing, Jonah was upset by God's compassion. How can you celebrate when others are blessed by God, even if you don't think they deserve it or are envious? Basically, the question is like, uh, are you able to rejoice with others when God blesses them, even though you don't think that they deserve it or you're envious? Like Jonah, they use Jonah as an example. Am I able to? So is that a personal question? I found it. I found it. Instead of rejoicing, Jonah was upset by God's compassion. How can you celebrate when others are blessed by God, even when you don't think they deserve it or are they envious? Well, I mean, that's a spirit. Envy is a spirit. So to enter. Okay. So this is the thing, right? Me personally, I think I'm able to celebrate others even in the midst of my own struggle or say I'm struggling in the area that someone else is blessed in. Um, 
I I'm I am able to celebrate my loved ones when good things are happening in their lives. And I think it's because of I do think it's inspired by the spirit of love over everything because of course you know, who wants to see other people struggle? I mean, never mind. Let me not ask that question because there are people who love, who gloat in the struggles of others, but yeah, I'm not one of them. You know what I mean? And I, I, I can't really explain where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, though, envy is a spirit. So it's one of those things where you have to be mindful. You have to kind of know yourself. I don't feel like people mean to be envious or jealous because who wants to be jealous? You know what I mean? Yeah, but tell them, Teddy. Tell them, Teddy. (laughs) That's Teddy's response. But no, I just don't. I just can't believe that there are people who want to be jealous or envious. It's one thing to uh, you. You don't want something good to happen to someone else because, you know, maybe you're just evil like that. But to want to be jealous, Je- the feeling of jealousy is not a great feeling. Mm-hmm. I feel like the feeling of jealousy is inspired by a feeling of lack, and lack is not a great feeling. I mean, so to want to feel jealous is, it doesn't make sense, at least not in my mind. So, and this is me giving them grace. <laughs> folks who are envious this is me giving them grace because i just don't believe that this is something that people seek out to be mm-hmm. in their in their personality or in their character um i think it's totally possible to be happy for someone and to celebrate someone even in the midst of your struggle i think also that saying what's that saying when you think positively or when you pursue positive things or when you portray like positivity and optimism it comes back to you in a sense right so if you are someone who is this kind of negative and sulky and you know you don't want to celebrate your brethren when they're winning how can you ever come to a winning place i'm going to put my shades on for this question cuz it's about to be a, it's about to be a monologue all right Sade gave a very beautiful answer. For Did me, I? I think you gave a great It was the Christian answer to give. Okay. There I go. Y'all gonna have to pray for me. It's very funny that we're actually having this question. This reminded me in, this was during lockdown in 2020. The Lord told me that I was like Jonah and I had maggots in my heart. The Lord showed me literally lay back against the tree that I was watching Nineveh. And I was like, when is it going to burn down? I'm I'm interested. Yeah, I, I did what you told me to do. Yes, I was obedient. Didn't really want to go because, listen, Nineveh was wild. They were skidding people alive. OK, you know, they served Dagon, half half uh, half human, half fish. OK, it's a deity. They were one of the most gruesome nations in the world at that time. That's why Jonah did not want to go. They were disgusting and they're nasty. But at the but Jonah was not aware of the posture of their heart. I am a sucker for somebody who is. um truly repentant i believe like when you're truly repentant and you're willing to do the work let's do this when you're not i don't have really i don't have much for you right so i understand jonah's position it is difficult for me to celebrate what people i think are trash it just is the uh the word of god says that you know uh david's saying you know i i question and i almost envied the life of the wicked because they seem to have it easy But the word of God says, but then the Lord took me into the sanctuary and he showed me the end of the wicked. And then that's when David found a day and nothing to be envious about. The only people that I feel like I could, I truly have struggled uh, uh, and envious was, was people who had good daddies. 
other than that, I don't really care. There ain't nothing that anybody has, is, was, will be that I want. I could barely make it in my own shoes, okay? I, I don't want to switch it with nobody else. I am fine. There is a saying that says, don't jealous your neighbor when God's in the neighborhood or he's going to skip over your house. I really live by that. I'm the first person to cheerlead you. I'm one of the first people to say, hey, is there anything you need? You know what I'm saying? How can I support your dream? I don't care if it's a like. I don't care if it's a review. I don't care if it's sharing your services. I don't care any of that. I, it is a struggle for me when I think you're trash. And so in nine times out of 10, something has happened. Something has gone down when I, it just, when I feel like you are, you know, an unrepentant fool. Um, well, maybe this, this doesn't fit into that category because it says, I mean, well, if they're blessed by God, can they still be evil and blessed by God? That's another conversation for another time. But anyway, right. And that's what I was going to say. I'm like, oh, did I get it wrong? That's no. my response. I mean, it was up to interpretation. I don't think there was no right or wrong answer, but just for me and where I'm at, I'm like, this is a good question. This is a really great question because it just reminded me of God was like, oh, you got magnets on your heart. And you know what, you, you know what God did y'all to just make even matters worse. I watched uh bad boys. It wasn't my first time, but it'd been a long time. And I remember that scene when they went into that dude, when it was in Miami, that really nice house. I think he was like a lawyer or architect or something. And they saw his dead body on the table. Like they smelled it as soon as they opened the door and they showed the dead guy's body and he had maggots all over. That was in three days when the Lord told me that. And of course, I said, I can't have no peace. The Lord, even the Holy Spirit in that moment said, that's what you look like in the spirit. Get those maggots out your heart. So I can't afford to be like that and to live like that. But it is uh, difficult for me. Ooh, yeah. I mean, I hear you on that as far as uh, wicked people and celebrating the success of wicked people. I wanted to talk about poverty in the black community, right? Because, of course, you know, I'm black. I'm going to talk about the black community because that's the community I'm a part of. So I just want to make it clear that I'm not trying to compare the black community to the white community as far as poverty is concerned, at least not in this conversation. I'm just really I'm I'm really tired of, you know, the race baiting that always happens when it comes to the conversation of poverty, because for the most part, let's keep it real. Let's keep it 100 folks. That's what we do. We we go right to the offense and an honest conversation turns into some type of hateful banter, which I feel like. God wouldn't want us to do either way. Like, I get it. You know, we're angry, we're upset, we're hurt, but it, it, there's no solution in that. So let's figure out the solution, right? Like, that's ultimately what I want us to do. So while the percentage of Black families living in poverty has decreased since the 1960s, and then, of course, you can talk about slavery and all those things, and we will later on in the conversation, I will say that there is a longstanding disparity, right, between Black families living in poverty compared to the general public. So compared to all families living in poverty, so not just white people, but the all would include us and Hispanic family households, white family households, Asian American, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So like I said, this is not to compare, but there is definitely some type of targeting. And I feel like we can be honest and acknowledge that there is a targeting and it's bigger than white, black. It's bigger than injustice. It's bigger than wealth gap and things like that. It's much bigger. There's a source to it. And I feel like that's what this conversation should tackle in today. Anyway, anyway, we can talk about, for instance, the current image of the Black family today or the fight to keep Black fathers in the household and how that affects what that image of the Black family looks like. A lot of these households who are heavily delved with poverty lack fathers. 
And as we all know, there is an attack on black fathers, whether it be from the government or from the spirit of pride. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> or just other, there are other, you know, sources of attack just coming at black men for whatever reason. Oh, you said a lot of different things, Sade, right? But I want to tackle uh, just a few things because um, I was taking notes while you were talking, believe it or not. What a lot of people, you said something that was really powerful. Poverty is not just a social economical status. I'm paraphrasing what she said, obviously, guys. It's not just a social economical status. But for me, we forget that poverty is also a spirit, right? Poverty, especially generational, it's a mindset. And sometimes when you've been in something for so long, you don't even realize that that's the bubble that you're in because that's all you know. And so I think what to even look at it from a spiritual point of view, the way I look at it, is poverty is a, it's a, it's a disposition in the realm of the spirit. Because when you look at the word of God and it's very funny, you, you, you talked about, and I don't even think, I think we make the correlation, but I want to make sure we're making the correlation about the presence of fathers in homes. And I want to read a couple of scriptures um, that have to do with poverty in any time the Bible brought up being poor. And I want you guys to see something. Proverbs 24, 33 uh, through 34, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands and poverty will come upon you like a robber and wanted like an armed man. Ecclesiastes 9, 16. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Psalm 82, verse three, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. One thing we know about the word of God is everything is extremely intentional. And I found it really interesting that you would put what somebody would deem as weak, fatherless, poor and oppressed. Because the truth of the matter is when you don't have a father, you don't have an advocate. You don't have an identity. You don't have something that represents you. You don't have something that speaks on behalf of you. And the word of God, one of the things that I love we see consistently between this is a personal uh, belief system that I have feel free to study on your own just as I have there is a consistency between Genesis and the book of Revelation God is very serious about the fatherless which is the orphan about the widow about the poor and about those who live in foreign countries because when you study especially Old Testament you will see that a lot of rights that are given for those who had fathers in the home they they had inherited rights their, their future was mapped out for them. Their marriages were arranged. Their future was, for the most part, pretty determined. When it came to anybody who fell into those categories, your future was in jeopardy. Because a lot of the times you see that the father left their finances to their, to their sons. They left their inheritance for the next generation. We see that through time that that system has been broken down more and more. So as we live in a society that <laughs> promotes get it how you live, sleep with who you want to sleep, don't worry about the consequences, anything, we're a very loose society. We now have a society that is built around pleasure and it cannot withstand itself. That's a quote from Pastor Stephen Darby, a blessed memory. OK, any society that is built around pleasure is not going to stand long term. Most of the things that most of the nations that we see, even though we consider some of their laws and things to be stricter. The truth of the matter is if you can check their history, they're consistent and you see a correlation between the presence of fathers, finances and inheritance. And so I think as we're talking about this poverty conversation, I just kind of admonish any every listener to 
beyond the social economical status of like, oh, I'm poor, I have nowhere to live. It's it's more so of a mindset because, you know, uh, what a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But if you've already been born with a blocked mind, if you've already been born with limitation, you don't even realize that you're living in a jilted reality. And that's why reading the word of God is so important. You know, for a long time, um, I did not think that being a believer and having money was possible. I remember I asked, uh, I won't say who, I asked the pastor when I was growing up, I said, can you be financially like, can you be rich and, and still love God? And I was told, no, you can't have the two. And so for a long time, I was sad because I was like, well, I don't want to be broke. So how this going to work? And I felt like God was doing something. Number one, always consider the source. I should have considered who I was asking. But anyways, um, it took me a long time because I really believed that like I could not have, you know, you know, live a great financial life more than the average and love God until the Lord started to work with me into break because it was a poverty spirit that needed to be, you know, broken off my mind. One of the things that I realized from, again, Genesis to Revelation, Abraham was not a broke man. Israel was not a broke man. Isaac was not a broke man. Adam was not a broke man. There's too many people back to back to back where these people had money and they had encounters with the Lord and had personal relationships with God. Moses was a um was an adopted child into opulence. Yeah, we had to walk away from all of that, but I'm pretty sure that God took care of him, made sure he was good. These are people who had means. So where where does the the breakdown that 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 you're talking about the breakdown in the family system? And 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 like I said, it's such a big conversation, guys. Where we have to just kind of we got to take you know how do you conquer an elephant one bite at a time? Let's just handle this one bite right now. Let's just examine that relationship between that poverty spirit and the absence of fathers. And we're using the black community because we see it the most. To piggyback off of that, right? That conversation and just the black community being the most um, prevalent when it comes to this poverty mindset, we have to also acknowledge the history of slavery and how that correlates with what these households look like today, right? So there are studies that prove that those regions with stronger ties to slavery have larger cases of Black poverty. We all know what happened after slavery was abolished. They turned Black men into criminals. They turned Black men into um, rapists and all these different things, reasons to throw them into jail or reasons to hang them, whatever the case may be, reasons to murder them and reasons to basically remove them from the household. So again, there's correlation as far as slavery and lack of black fathers in the black households, but there's also the correlation of where the poverty mindset stems from as well. Africans were ripped from this rich soil to lack. <laughs> there's a conditioning that happens with slavery that has just gone on for generations to generations. Even though we are no longer physical property, we are somewhat still bound. All of these things kind of go hand in hand. And I feel like we have to be mindful of that. So the Bible speaks about how we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against uh, principalities and powers. So I think as far as the source of it all, right, I think that slavery was the event that introduced the whole poverty mindset, the whole poverty spirit, because I don't know, a lot of people just aren't aware that poverty is not just a situation. It's not just a condition. It's not just a, a, a lifestyle for lack thereof. It's a spirit. And mm, 
point point that I want to make right here. And y'all don't be pissed off at me for saying this, but I'm going to bring it to a conversation that was had a couple years ago that Kanye West, a.k.a. Yay, I call him Kanye West because that's what his mama calls him um, or called him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Kanye West, a couple years ago on TMZ, made a statement or a comment that kind of got him almost canceled where he said that slavery is a choice so i believe that this comment was totally misconstrued and misunderstood at the same time by the black community which led to them kind of bashing kanye you know they had a lot to say against him because of the comment because it, it sounded very um insensitive and i get it i feel like kanye could have maybe rephrased it to say that poverty is a choice. Poverty mindset. Let's keep it real. If he maybe rephrased it, I don't know. I don't know. I know that Van kind of jumped in as soon or jumped on him as soon as he said what he said. So maybe the conversation was kind of done after that. It's like a distant memory, but I remember it at the same time. Um, but I will say um, there's it's a it's it's due to some type of conditioning that black people experienced through slavery that these things are still heavily a part of our a part of our community. And until we can break from it, until we can really take a hold and learn that it's not it's not the white man. It's a spirit. We're not supposed to wrestle with the flesh. We we have to tackle the spirit of poverty because that's what it is. And yes, you know, also there is the conversation of generational curses. I think that the black community needs to start to have a very very real and honest conversation about why certain things happen in our community more prevalently than other communities i personally feel like we are the chosen ones <laughs> i personally feel like we are the true israelites and because of the betrayal that we i don't say we because it wasn't me i wasn't there but my ancestors took part in betraying Jesus this is this is repercussions to the mistakes that we've made in biblical days um, but that's another conversation but it's a conversation that should be had in all these points that were made right um to what you were saying Shade I think what happens is the enemy is 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 a is a history revisionist one of the things that he's done especially with African Americans is he keeps um having a lot of people focus on important parts in history um, but the, the, also the enemy has done a really good job in making sure we're not starting from the beginning. And when I say that anytime you saw, there was like a bunch of curses, people think, oh, God's just this bad God and he just don't want us to have fun and it's just too much and blah, 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 blah. But one thing about God, anytime he listed out the curses, he always began with the blessings and he let you know what the parameters were and what the consequences were. And he gave you a choice. What happens is we are so strange and I think it's just human nature, right? We have to deal with flesh all day, every day, just our human nature. We have to kind of beat it into submission and, and get them, get it right. But I think what happens is the enemy is always looking for an open door. Like when you, you're dealing with Bell and, and uh, Bell and uh, Balaam and Bela, like he couldn't just curse the children of Israel and he couldn't, he couldn't curse what God had already blessed. His strategy was. Let's contaminate them. Let's get them to piss God off themselves by 
making sure they're in a state of disobedience to go against what God has said. And because of that, that is how we see the first onset of slavery. That is how we see the children of Israel being slaved or the, you know, the Hebrew children, it goes on and we see it. It goes on and off for hundreds of years up until today. It's not new information. I'm not sure why we create a separation in my mind, in our mind between what we see in the word of God and African-Americans, because very much so that is our history book, which that's another conversation for another time. In case you didn't know, do your own research. But I feel as though the poverty was a consequence of disobedience. But because we're not starting the story from the beginning, we can't see the correlation. I think, Shadi, you've done a really good job in breaking it down and just from the different things that have happened in pop culture and things that people have said. And I'm hoping that the audience and those who are listening today, that you get it. That you see the correlation that God always intended to bless you. He always intended you for you to have the upper hand. He always intended you to be a hair salvation. He always intended you to have the best. But there are consequences for being a disobedient. There are consequences for wanting to do you and to chase other gods. God was not putting, one of the things I realized more and more about the word of God, I used to think I didn't want to have, we didn't want me to have no fun. I used to be mad. I'd be like, I can't have no, I can't do nothing until I realized a good father set perimeters down. And the Bible talks about how there is, there is freedom within limits. There's just something about us in our human nature. You can have all these trees, Adam and Eve, just don't touch that one. And as soon as he said, don't touch that one, that's the only one we want to touch. That's the only thing we want to do. Mm. And I feel as though that that is the beginning of poverty. That was the onset of it. But we're so pissed off about the consequences and when it's done to African-Americans, we're stuck at the consequences. We're stuck at the trauma. And it's all true. But let us go to the origin. Let us work our way out from Genesis. Exactly. That That's it. You know, as children of God and the blood of Jesus, we have authority over spirits like poverty. I feel like a lot of this stuff would have been nipped in the bud. A lot of these curses would have been broken generations ago if we would just acknowledge, listen, it's not about fighting with you or with this one or that one. How about you get on your knees and start fighting in prayer or at least acknowledging where you might have gone wrong or how you added to the trauma or the struggle or the suffering, you know what I mean? The mindset that most, uh, I won't say most, but people have when it comes to poverty is it's like the, the whole crab in the barrel mentality, the this person can't have if I can't have. But we were talking about earlier, it was a question. Oh my gosh, we didn't look at that. We didn't even, that was, that was by accident, folks, that question where if you can't be happy for your friend just because you may not have it. So because of that, you may or may not can be happy for your friend. Like, this is the thing. That's, that's poverty mindset. That it's all tied together. There's so many aspects of poverty mindsets too. Like things that you don't even think is considered poverty is poverty. <laughs> Like this conversation is like a series within itself. It's such a big conversation. You know right. what I mean? Like the fact that we have the authority to make, to break okay. these cycles. We okay. just have to tap into our position mm -hmm. in Christ as believers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's on us. All of these things that we complain about, that our struggle, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a mindset to know that, listen, it's in your hands. It's in my hands, right? I can't blame anyone else for the decisions that I have, I come to make. It's all about decisions. So that's, I feel 
going back to Kanye real quick, that's what he was talking about. Mm. It's about deciding when to when enough was enough. And yeah, it's going to take work. Yeah, it's not going to be overnight. That's such a hard conversation. It's a hard it's because I oh, such a hard conversation. It's so huge. It's so huge. I think the takeaway from this conversation right now is let us not begin from the middle of the story. Let us go back to the origin. Um, and, 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 and I, I don't want to say it so easily, right? Like, it's just like, just do this and blink. Everything is different. No, like, you know, should I was saying like, there's work, there's work to be done. You're, you're fighting a mindset. You're fighting a way of life. You're fighting a reality that even if you have a conversation with a generation before two generations ahead, you still might hit a brick wall. Like, you know what? It's so funny. One thing that I love about Gen Z, they're not scared. Some of the stuff they get on my nerves. But one thing that I appreciate, they're not scared. They're not scared to walk away. And I said, you know what? They're desert babies. I never looked at it before. They're desert babies. They, they're. You know what I wanted to say real quick? And I'm not to trying to cut you off, sis. But you know what? The reason why they are not scared, mm-hmm. the fact that they're taking history, the, the history of slavery and stuff out of history books, they don't know the history to be pissed off about. And you know what's so funny? Looking at even something like that from both ways, right? Like, how does that hurt us? But how does that hinder us? I think what they're trying to do, I think is going to backfire. I never looked at it like that until we had this conversation today. I think it's going to backfire. Because I'm going to say this, I'm deep. I mean, the effects of slavery are so deep and so harsh and so painful. But this ain't going to land the way they think it is. It's not. Because when you don't know nothing but your current reality, well, and I guess it also depends on the person, the temperament. For a long time, silence was our weapon. For a long time, education was our weapon. For a long time, trying to do things as best as possible and being on the up up was our weapon. But what happens to a generation where all they really know is a land flowing of milk and honey? And if we give them the education and we give them the tools, what will that look like? They might have broken a particular curse because it's no longer something that they really even are familiar with. But the fact that they're not familiar with Christ and the word of God also means that they're more susceptible to other spirits, maybe not poverty. Also to it's this conversation right here that the, the more than the group of people who have been impoverished and oppressed is, is not always the reason why people come to Christ. I know some money. I, one of the type of testimony that really blessed me is somebody who's had everything like money was not a problem for them. And they came to Christ because they were like, money still did not make me happy. So great. My business is popping so great that money is not a factor, but we forget that there are so many other facets in our life where, um, you know, money, money doesn't conceal. I think money highlights, especially things that you don't have. You know, there are people who got money and they're very lonely there. And especially with people with money, they got weird family issues and dynamics and they're cutthroat and is things only God can fix. So I also don't want to have this conversation in mindset that like, well, poverty and hardship is the only way to make people come to Christ. I'm not going to lie. Hopelessness does push a person in a place for them to question their existence and question what's going on. But there is something else to be said when you've had, let's say you have everything you ever thought and you're still not fulfilled. 
and you're still empty, that can also push you to salvation. You know what I'm saying? So I also think I'm also thinking maybe perhaps that that's what that's what it may be like moving forward. You know what I'm saying? I just think that what the enemy thinks he's going to do. And it, it just got me really excited in this conversation. I think it's going to backfire big time. It's going to backfire. Well, it has to, of course. Jesus wins in the end. Duh. <laughs> no matter what's happening, Jesus wins in the end. So uh, right. hint, hint for all y'all to just throw that guy, the other guy away and get on the team. Get on team Jesus. Because either way, no matter how much it feels now, Jesus wins in the end. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, y'all. This was a long conversation. All right. Um, thank y'all for listening. Thank you for hanging in there. You all make sure that you're listening to us on and, and you're connecting with us everywhere podcasts can be heard. We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube. We are on um, Instagram. We would love to hear from you guys. This conversation, as I said before, and we said we put a disclaimer in the beginning. This is a bigger conversation. We only just took a bite of it. There's so much more that we need to talk about and break down. But this is the, the beginning of a conversation. Again, remember, this is a podcast geared towards dealing with transgenerational trauma. Poverty is part of that. Slavery is part of that. Uh, not having father and homes, all of that is part of the journey. But one thing that I love about God, that in Christ, you have a new bloodline and you have a new beginning and it's available to you. And sometimes we have to fight against those mental barriers in order to really embrace that. Um, and it seems difficult, but it's very possible. Um, more and more, I understand where it says, you know, all things are possible through Christ that strengthens me. I'm understanding that scripture more and more every day. All right, y'all, we're going to catch you next week um, and have a very good I don't know. Day? Well, if you listen, day, week, whatever. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, leave a comment. One, two, three, four. I mean, whatever. And stay in touch. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Come back and listen next time. Because we'll be back next week with another episode on Lies My Mother Told. But she didn't know that. Nope. And we give her grace. But anyway, bye now. Bye.